Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, good Saturday morning and welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Rich Orris filling in for Scott Mosby and my mission today for the next two hours is to do what I do primarily every day as a senior home consultant for Mosby Building Arts, um, help you out with your homes. It's what we do. It's what we do on a daily basis. So any questions that you may have about your home, you can give me a call today, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. And, you know, so what can we talk about today? Well, you know what? It's St. Louis. It's January. It's cold. It's getting colder. So because of all of that, we can talk about your furnace, keeping your home warm, keeping your pipes from freezing, snow and ice melt for your driveways and your walkways, Anything going on like that, we've got it for you today. For all the listeners out there, I have a lot of information for you today. But again, my primary job is to help you with whatever might ail you about your home. I know you're at home. I know you're sitting there. I know you've been doing things around the home over the holidays. So um, it's cold. It's drizzly, rainy, freezing stuff. Try not to go out if you don't need to, and give us a call today for the next two hours, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. And because it's January, you know, we kind of look at the list um, of what should we be doing around our house? What, What needs to happen? What are some good things to happen when you're in a time like this? What are some things that you could do kind of on a yearly basis every January to kind of fill some of that indoor time also? Um, One of them on the list is is really being able to have the time to just kind of review all of your products, the warranties, the manuals, you know, look for the recommended maintenance of basically just all the stuff that you own in your home. You can mark your calendar and track you know, scheduled maintenance and service issues with all of your, you know, appliances, washer, dryer, basically, you know, everything that you own around your house that works, functions, and does things that has some sort of maintenance to it, whether it's cleaning or some kind of service or something with your furnace. So um, another great thing to, to do is, you know, take some indoor time to do a yearly room-by-room inventory of everything in your house with either photographs or you can videotape it, kind of have this, you know, list ready for your insurance companies in case anything were to happen. Uh, You'll have everything on record each year of what you have. Great thing to do. Uh, Of course, you know, change and clean your your furnace filters, um, your humidifier element. It's going to be working hard right now. Um, change any water filters and service. Uh, Water softeners is a great thing to do uh, at this time of year. And of course, it's a good thing to, you know, test all of those GFI outlets, the ground fault protected outlets around your house. Simply just hit the test button. It should pop. You hit the reset button. It should come back on, light up. If it doesn't come back on, then you're going to need to Either replace that outlet with a new GFI outlet or have a professional come in, check it, and replace that outlet for you. 
Um, some other things I would just recommend is, you know, stock up on the ice melt. Make sure that you have it. Um, think about what kind of, you know, ice melt you're using. There's a lot of, you know, salt that goes out there, even in liquid form, you know, and everything on the roads, on the highways and the streets. So salt isn't great for your concrete driveways. So looking at, you know, the calcium chloride, the magnesium chloride, potassium chloride, you know, for your ice melt is just a better thing um, for the actual concrete on your home. Another thing I would recommend is just going around inside the home to all of your sinks, all of your vanities, your kitchen sink, cabinet, your bathroom vanities, check for any kind of leak, moisture, you know, inspect the pipes to, for condensation. If they're, if they're wet and it's just condensation, you probably have some air leaks and some air mixture. Might be a good thing when it gets really, really cold overnight to leave those cabinet doors open, let some air circulate or have a fan running and kind of going throughout, you know, blowing that air through there. But um, re- then, of course, make any repairs as you might need. If you find something, if you find a drip or anything going on, either make the repair or call the uh, plumbing professional to come in and make those repairs for you. Another another cool thing to think about is while you're putting all this holiday stuff away, you got all your Christmas stuff out, it's the new year, you know, some people get that stuff down like the minute it happens, like January 1st, it's all going away. But um, if you haven't yet, think about just as you take everything down, put it away, test it, make sure everything's working properly, repair anything that needs repaired, or get rid of anything that's bad and start your list of what you're going to need to replace for the next year. Because a lot of the stuff you can even get now, you know, at some really low prices and stuff after the holidays to replace all of that, you know, for next year. And of course, if you have pipes that could freeze, if you're in a trailer home where you have the pipes underneath, or if you have crawl spaces that that maybe have some vents and stuff, and if you have, you know, insulated, insulate those pipes, turn on your tape heaters and stuff around your pipes. Make sure you remember to do that. Shut off all those exterior hose bibs. It's definitely down into the cold time. Make sure the hoses are disconnected for sure. It is now cold enough for sure where you want to make sure you have all this taken care of or you could end up with some frozen split pipes and, you know, a lot of things going on with that. So again, I am Rich Orris filling in today for Scott Mosby. If those of you that may not know me, I'm a senior home sales consultant for Scott Mosby. I've worked with him hand in hand at Mosby Building Arts for for slightly over 20 years now. So kind of learned and and grew up in the industry, learning and watching and, you know, really picking up on everything that that Scott kind of puts out there. Again, it's probably why I enjoy coming in and doing this and filling in for him and really hoping to just make a positive difference for for everybody out there um, and and their homes, because it is an important thing. And, you know, when you're looking at resale and everything going on in the industry today, you know, maintenance is, is key to a lot of this, not just remodeling and updating, but maintenance and making sure that it's up to snuff and that people can tell, you know, it's a really good home. It's been taken well care of it. 
it really does mean a lot to the home and to the sale value, you know, of that home. So definitely keep up with that. And if you have any questions about that, about your home, anything going on, anything you might be curious about, again, feel free to give me a call today, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. I think we'll get into our first break here and we can go over some more kind of must-do projects and things um, for uh, January uh, when we return right after this. The voice of St. Louis. News that matters to you. KMOX. All right, we are back again. Rich Orris here filling in for Scott Mosby today on the KMOX Home Improvement Show. And, you know, um, we've got a lot that we can roll through today. Got plenty of information. Obviously, you know, the weather is cold, ice, things happening. All these things, the very low temperatures, the low overnight temperatures affect the house. You know, it will affect your home in several different ways and and this is when things start to go wrong with your furnace and, and different stuff like that with freezing pipes and, and everyone will start to notice all that. So speaking of helping people out and noticing things and questions around the house, we got a couple of calls on the line. So let's go to Don here from St. Charles and see uh, what we got going on. Don, are you there? What do you got going for us? You there, Don? looks like maybe we we can't hear Don or we lost Don there. Um, maybe we should just jump over to Gloria and see if that one works out better. Gloria, are you with us? Uh-oh. Nothing seems to be happening here with either of them. Um, apparently they can't hear me or I can't hear them. Little technical difficulties will get figured out here in just a moment. In the meantime, let's talk about, you know, one of my favorite people out there. I got a couple of people there that, you know, um, I, I really kind of look and, and have influenced me. Bob Vila is is one of them. Um, Mike Holmes, Holmes on Homes, is, is the other that as far as, you know, for people out there, that are putting out information and preaching stuff and, and giving good information. They are probably the couple of the best two that I, I know. And I've seen aside from all the DIY shows and, and all the different stuff out there, they're probably the most down to earth, realistic, get it right, you know, type of type of people. And, you know, Bob Vila really, he, he put out this list of, you know, must do things to do in January, must do projects, you know, for January. And the first one on the list, I can really appreciate because, you know, I can tell he probably thinks a lot like, like Scott Mosby and, and how, you know, what we've done with Mosby Building Arts and how we've, you know, he's kind of helped develop this company with everybody that's at the, at the lead in the realm now with it. And really, you know, so what Bob Vila says is January is the perfect time to plan your remodels, you know, best laid plans. Of course, we all know about that. And, and, you know, when you really have some best laid plans, it can really set you up for some good renovations, right? Um, 
And when you think about, uh, like, well, all the stuff with, with John Madden here lately, they had his program, he passed away, all of So his famous quote of the road to Easy Street leads through the sewer, you know, well, that happens with everything. And if you plan for going through the sewer, you can make it a little easier, maybe not so muddy, not so deep, not, not such a problem. And you can kind of eliminate planning is really about eliminating, you know, some of those problems that could happen down the road. It's setting good expectations and really, you know, setting things up to perform well, knowing what everything is before you start, you know, having a budget, setting a budget, determining all those materials, everything you're going to need. What is a hundred percent of everything? If you could know all of that, it really just sets you up with really great preparation and you can really, you know, it just increases your chances of eliminating those, any problems that, you know, before they can even occur, you'll just get those things taken care of. And then you can really think about, you know, getting that project done and planning for it, getting it done on time, getting it done on budget, you know, what you thought it was going to be. Um, it may be, you know, it may seem a little more upfront sometimes because you know what it is and because you planned for it. And that way you've kind of hit all those areas and everything so that you know and understand, you know, what you're up against and and really what's going to happen. So do that for yourself in January for sure. Think about the future. Think about those future plans for your home and walk about and see what they are. And then again, you can give us a call here today to talk about them. Let's see if we can get Jack on the line and, and see if uh, this works this time. Jack, are you there? Do we have anybody? <laughs> They're working on it, folks. We're trying to get it. All right. Sounds like we still have some technical difficulties going on here. We can't seem to hear Jack coming in on the screen. We got a couple of calls here. So if you guys, if you can hear me, hang on and we'll do what we can to try and get this figured out and, and get everybody on the air. So let's, let's get a little bit more into, oh, wait, do we have Jack there? Nope. Doesn't seem like it. <laughs> so, um, one of the things in um, in January that we're talking about, and one of the things that's really good to do in January around your house is fix squeaks, fix, you know, floor squeaks, squeaks on your stairs. You know, when you think about what happens with squeaks and why they happen, um, and you look at this time of year, so you're probably wondering, okay, so why would January be such an exceptional, you know, time to do that? Well, if everything is drying out and you and your and your lumber, your wood in your home is shrinking and it's getting smaller, it's when it's creating those spaces and the nails are getting loose and you know things are moving and a lot of squeaks are actually you know, the nail kind of moving up and down inside of that wood and things get, you know, loose and everything or the wood against the wood, like the, the stair tread against that uh, framing underneath it or the, the plywood subfloor, if, if the glue's failed, you know, rubbing against the floor joist underneath it. 
So now is a really good time if you can get that in there and you can get it tightened up and you can get it really get rid of that squeak. It's probably going to work and it's probably going to last a lot longer if you do that when it's very moist and these boards are bigger and they're swelled up and, and everything's kind of expanded you're going to tighten it up. And then in January, it might kind of start to get loose again. Um, I would recommend using screws is definitely the best practice. You can get, you know, they make screws that will go right through the carpet. And basically the head will, will kind of snap off the top, like half inch. Once it's down in there, will will snap off. So it's not damaging the carpet or anything like that. Um, and then there's, you know, of course, small trim head screws and things like that you can use for your stained treads and just do a good wood filler and everything, you know, inside and over those screws. So definitely a great time to, you know, get those squeaks taken care of. Another thing on Bob Vila's list that really I was like, you know, this is pro- this one's kind of perfect for me. I really... You know, looking at my stuff, I need to do this uh, is, you know, maintaining your tools. So if you have, you know, if you're like me, you have a lot of tools around the house and and I probably have more than most because I used to do all this for a living. And, you know, it's you kind of hate to let go of a lot of that stuff or it's one of those things that you might only use it once every two or three years when I break out that, you know, chop saw or that table saw. But you know, I, I love it and, and I have it and, and it's a great thing, but maintaining those, you know, cleaning them up, organizing everything, you know, getting things put in its proper place and getting getting ready, you know, for the spring and for when you're going to start doing more work outside the house, stuff like that. Now is a great time to kind of hit that reset, go through everything, you know, remove any rust spots that have developed on any tools. You can coat them with some machine oil to protect from the rust. I mean, that's another thing that we never have time. Even myself, I go, I do something, I do this, and then I just kind of throw things back and I don't have a lot of time to, you know, put the machine oil on, keep it organized, put it back where it goes. So everything's sort of a little bit in disarray right now, at least for me and in my workbench and, and in my basement and everything. So as I was putting Christmas stuff away, I kind of had read that and, and thought, wow, that's definitely something I need to look at. So I started taking out a couple old boxes that, you know, we really don't need any more things we've had for a couple years and, you know, starting to clear the space so that that's, you know, one of the next things that's planned and, and on my list for uh, what we need to do around the house and everything is it will be great to have all that working for me and straightened out and cleaned up and just to maintain those tools so that they can last a really long time. You know, for you and me both, it's it's a great thing to do, just like maintaining your house. So I think we're going to get into our middle of the hour break here. So for everyone else out there, feel free to give us a call today, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. And we'll be right back after these messages. It's a football Saturday on KMOX as the Chiefs take on the Broncos. Pre-game at 2, kickoff 325, and you can hear it here. The Chiefs, the Broncos. Touchdown, Kansas City! On your home for Chiefs football, KMOX. All right, here we go. Back once again. 
Again, Rich Orris filling in today for Scott Mosby. We're going to see if we can help you guys out today, get you through everything going on around your house, whether it's maintenance, remodeling, DIY projects, any kind of questions, anything you've been uh, you know, wondering about, you can definitely give us a call today. Let's get through it. And we're going to try Jack one more time on the line and see if we can get this phone line working here for us. So, Jack, are you there? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Awesome. Hey, what do you got going on? Glad to glad we got finally got you on the air. Yeah, I was trying to do it over, over the phone. I find I find sometimes my old forward doesn't doesn't do very well with that, but but that's just the way it is sometimes. Uh, listen, I've got a couple of questions, and I'm I'm in the process. I've been I'm a long time play at woodworker, I guess. Um, okay. And I bought I bought some years ago. I, I bought a. Um, a shed, pretty a pretty good size one. And of course, my my ambition was to uh, put my workshop in there. But I've come to the conclusion that, and I'm just going to do it in my. I got a two car garage, and my my truck's too big to get in there, so I'm going to have take half of it and make my wood shop out of it. And I've got all the tools you were just listening. And I've done it for a long time. That's kind of the way I got through high school was going to shop places. But yeah, but um, <laughs> you know. So anyway. Uh, <clears throat> The question I've got, I'm in a, we're in a, a uh, uh, have a walkout basement, um, and, and I've got, I've got the shed set and I had, I had the surface prepared and all that kind of stuff. So it's just it's a pretty good foundation under, it, uh, at this point, but, uh, uh, I'd like, I'd like to raise it up where I could maybe make a door between the back of my garage into that shop and have, you know, have the shop in both places, give myself more room to work in. And I was wondering if you had any experience with with because I need to go in and I'll need the the weather you know weather weatherize whatever it's called uh, the the uh, the shed and make sure it's, it's I can work in there in all seasons but uh, but I'd have to lift that shed up to make it even with the the back of the garage to do that what what kind of messes am I am I looking at in myself to do that kind of stuff? Oh, gotcha. So um, how far up are you talking about lifting the shed? Oh, I would guess at least four feet, maybe five. Oh wow, okay. Um, so, so yeah, you're you're basically looking at, um, you know, basically I would say building a you know subfloor on stilts would be okay. you know the easiest way to to do that, and um, you know basically then putting the shed on top, you know, of that subfloor so you can you know, figure out the best way to mount that, uh, you know, subfloor at the right level to the, uh, the garage, you know, foundation where you can then cut your little door or whatever from the garage side through the framing and, and, you know, get to walk right out there in there. The, the couple of the hardest things are going to be when you, one, when you cut that door opening to get in there, you got to make sure you know, you get the proper header and stuff like that. And you look at like the roof load of what can happen above it. Uh, You know, a gable side won't need as, as much work as, you know, uh, if you have a hip roof or a, you know, side where the roof is actually coming down and and weight bearing a lot more on that wall. So understanding, yeah, yeah, what you've got to do for that opening. But then also, you know, the question would be is, lifting that shed, you know, four feet. Like, so when you go to build this floor and everything, now you got to get the shed up there. 
Um, what what's the shed? Uh, what's it made out of? Is it metal or wood? Is it built like it's, a? It's 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 just it's got it's got a metal bottom, uh, but it but it's um, uh, it's, it's it's all it's all wood on the outside. You know the stuff they build those little sheds, those little portable sheds on. Yeah. Uh, so there's I'd have to do some uh, you know, I got to put insulation and and all that kind of stuff inside. Yep. Uh, and so I was just, I was just thinking I could use a house jack to get it up there. Um, and then and then do the construction underneath it, but I don't know whether that, that may be too dangerous. Yeah, that might be kind of hard trying to go that distance, you know, because um, basically you're you're looking at you know trying to jack that thing up about four feet, and then you got to get something to kind of hold it up, you know, almost outside of what you're about to build, and then be able to set it back down. We, we do this all the time with like roof structures that maybe only had a, a screen, you know, porch underneath it or something. So we can put some beams and some, some leg kickers and stuff and some temporary supports and we can hold that roof up and build underneath it. But trying to lift that thing, you really might be better off with, you know, a, you know, a crane to literally just pick that thing up all at once and and put it where you need it, you know, so that you can just, you know, basically if you can get it to move um, and then build your floor and everything and then crane it on top of the floor, or if it is just wood-framed walls and stuff, it might be easier to literally dismantle it, you know, and take it apart, you know, a wall at a time and then lift up and get a wall at a time back up there. But once you get it there... Then, you know, you, you, yeah, you're going to look at, you know, how you're insulating and what you're doing to keep this room warm, you know, and, and working for you decently. So insulating the walls, insulating that floor very well, you know, a foam insulation, mm-hmm. like a spray foam insulation is going to sure. mm-hmm. work way better, but cost way more. A fiberglass yeah. <laughs> insulation you know, may work just as well for an area like you're talking about and then maybe putting some kind of board or something over the walls, pegboard or something, kind of hold that insulation in there and then, you know, get yeah. you to organize stuff like that. But, yeah, trying to go up four feet, you've, you've definitely got an undertaking there, you know, to figure out how to how to get it up there first and build underneath it or, you know, how to move it and then move it again and lift it with a crane or something like that to get it up, you know, four feet on that new floor surface. But you sound pretty adventurous. Well, it probably sounds like probably it makes more sense just to cut a door in the back of the garage and just walk around to the the shed from the inside and leave where it is. (laughs) Yeah, no, it it might be, you know, a little easier and a little better for you, you know, to to get through it that way. This could be a almost insurmountable, you know what I mean, to where when you figure out how to make it happen, it it might, what you might end up finding out is that the cost of making that happen would be just the same as building the whole thing all over again. Yeah, If you could tear it down, use less labor, and build it back quicker, easier, faster, don't need a crane, all that stuff, you might really look at it and say, well, I'm going to spend – X, you know, to try and save this thing and get it up there. But for another 400 bucks, I actually have an entirely brand new structure, you know? (laughs) So analyzing that, you know, makes a lot of sense to figure out or go an easier route and just find a easy path with a door out the back and 
you know, a little yeah. less, a little more walking, a little more outside time for some of that storage, but you know, it could save you a big headache down the road, but Hey, I appreciate the call and everything. Great, great idea. Great question. And, uh, you sound pretty, pretty, pretty ambitious, you know? Well, so I think you've you convinced me that it's better to either just put the door in and walk out to it or, or, tear it down and rebuild it another way so, so <laughs> yep yep i think it's. that's going to be your easiest path for sure yep okay appreciate agree. your input appreciate you guys thank you oh yeah absolutely no i appreciate you calling in and and you know um coming up with the questions and the thoughts it's always good you know it's um kind of kind of like what i do every day it's just you know give good advice try and understand and really put out what the possibilities are, educate and let people make a good educated decision. And they can just really come, you know, from a good spot and kind of go, okay, yeah, this is what I've got. This is what I'm up against. Where do I really see the value? What do I really want to do? And just make good educated decisions rather than just trying to focus on what somebody thinks and how you can get it to them and, and what that might cost when it may in the, in the end, you know, not be the absolute best thing possible. So we have a couple more calls on the line. So Gloria and Sam, if you can hold the line through the break, I really appreciate it. Gloria, you've been hanging in there for a really long time and we will get to you as soon as we return from these, these messages. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, here we go again. You know, the last part of the first hour right here. This is just flying by. I love doing this. I love helping out. I love trying to at least get good information and help people think through what's going on, the projects, all of that stuff, or, or what they might be, you know, wondering about. I just absolutely love helping out and, and love hearing it. And speaking of that, let's get right to Gloria because she has been here forever. Uh, Gloria, are you with us? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Awesome. Hey, thanks for calling in. What do you have going on? Thank you. I, I just wanted to have you, and I wanted to share with all of your listeners that January is National Radon Action Month. Oh. And this, this is just another opportunity to remind us about uh, the importance of having in uh, safety in our indoor environments by testing our homes and schools and workplaces for the leading uh, cause of lung cancer in non-smokers, which is uh, radioactive radon gas exposure. And uh, so many people don't know about this. I was certainly one of them uh, 16 years ago. Yeah. And um, uh, the EPA and other uh, experts uh, in the field of epidemiology, say that this gaseous emission in our homes can cause up to uh, 21,000 deaths of lung cancer or more each year in our nation. Uh, we can't we can't taste it, we can't see it, we can't uh, smell it. It is a 
gas that can come through the tiny openings in our house. And it doesn't matter if it's a new house or an old house, if it has a, a basement or no basement, a yeah. cross space or no cross space, if it's old, if it's frame or brick um, sure. or slab on grade, it, this um, uninvited carcinogen doesn't care. Uh, it can it can come into the house. What it what happens is the decay products of uranium in the ground beneath our structures uh, uh, are emitted by this gaseous uh, emission, and uh, the alpha particles are inhaled and uh, can attach to the. Um, lining of our lungs or the little cells in our lungs and uh, change to cancer. And uh, I didn't know anything about radon. I, I'd heard sure. the word. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know that it could be in any kind of house. Uh, I I didn't know that it caused lung cancer. And, yeah, and it's uh, common around, around our area. It, it truly is. I don't know Fallon, Missouri, where I live, um, I had, you know, uh, it detected in my house and I had a system put in, in my last house, you know, in, in like the year around 2000, 2001, whenever it was. Uh, but so it is common around us. Absolutely. And, you know, Gloria, I did a story uh, last year sometime on, on my show about radon that, you know, one of the new things that some certain areas are starting to do. And I was kind of trying to promote, you know, St. Charles County and, and all of that to maybe consider this is, you know, mandating that when you build a new home, you automatically put that system in because it's really just some pipe and it's very easy to do when building new and it costs way less than retrofitting. So if you already have it, then it will just function and work and, and you won't have to worry about it. So that's a very good point for sure. I live in Illinois, and in Illinois, we do have a law now that I just, I'm just across the bridge from uh, Missouri. Yeah. But uh, we have a law which I worked very hard back in 2006 and seven to get passed uh, uh, when my husband died of lung cancer, and the oncologist told me about radon. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. It, uh, so it is called the Radon Awareness Act, and what happens now when anyone buys a new home or any kind of home in Illinois, they're given information about radon, what it is, and they're encouraged, very strongly encouraged to have it tested oh, yeah. before occupancy. And now, as a result of that law, which it was enacted in January 1 of 08, um, the the level of, or the um, amount of people that are uh, testing at the point of sale has increased. It used to be like 8% of the people that bought a home uh, tested, but now it's over 65% of the people that buy homes in Illinois are testing. And, of course, they're finding if that home has high levels of radon, they're, they're installing or having mitigation systems installed. The other thing that uh, is passed in Illinois is the fact that uh, new home construction, just like you were saying, uh, has to be built with a passive system in Illinois. Yeah. Any home builders 
they have to uh, have a pass. And what that passage system means is that it is a radon system. The only thing that is not there is the fan. And yeah, yeah. Uh, the fan makes it an active system. Uh, people don't know the danger of radon. I certainly didn't. I was so very confident in my ignorance, thinking that my house was 20 years old and it couldn't have radon. Uh, but uh, really, there there's an amount of radon in everybody's house. It's just the level that's so important. Sure, you know, sure. EP, EPA uses 4.0 picocuries as the... Um, uh, action level. However, there is no safe level of radon. So you want your mitigation system to get it down as low as possible. Actually, our when I tested after my husband's death, our level was 17.6. Oh, my. And, um, yeah. Now, now, with my mitigation system, and by the way, I do test. I, d- I do a year-long test, and I do short-term tests just to make sure that my fan is working. And the fans usually last about um, 10 to 12 years. But I, after about 12 years, I did have to replace my fan because they work their little hearts out. They run every minute of every day. And, um, you know, eventually yeah. they will need to be replaced, but not, not very long because they're very, um, I mean, not for a very long time. Uh, sure, sure, they're, yeah. They're very, um, they're very uh, well produced. And um, as I was saying, I didn't know anything about radon, and uh, now I don't. I don't want people to find out about radon the way I did with the diagnosis of lung cancer. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was that. Missouri does not have any radon laws whatsoever. And I know Chesterfield is is a little bit better maybe than some of the other ones, other cities. But it's important that um, it doesn't have to be a mandate, but there's all kinds of laws in schools and to be tested and daycares. In in Illinois, all the daycares have to be tested every five years. Uh, for the daycare um, uh, uh, owner to renew their license. So this is very important. Uh, and so I, I wanted just to call you, and Scott lets me talk every January or and maybe periodically through the year about the importance of testing for radon. Yeah, no, yeah. I appreciate it. It's, it's, it is very important, and um, it's a topic that needs to be out there a little bit more. And, you know, they need to get some of those laws and codes about putting them in the new homes and, and they need to get that pretty much everywhere. I mean, cause it can be pretty much anywhere. It is all just about the ground. So it doesn't matter, you know, what you build, like you said, it, it, it can just be there for sure. So yeah, I, I totally get it. And I'm sorry for your loss, Gloria, um, in the way that you found out. And unfortunately there's probably, uh, about 21 other thousand people that find out that way, you know, each year. And until, you know, I, I commend you for, for doing this every year and, and coming out and trying to help people out. Cause that's really what we're trying to do here too, you know, is get good information out there. So I really do appreciate it. And, uh, 
yeah, the, the, if people need to have a, a professional tester or if they need to um, get a, a test kit, you know, they can get them at the hardware stores. They can buy them online, actually, with yep. my organization. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I appreciate it, Gloria. we got to get to our break here. Sam, if you could hold the line, I'll get to you as soon as we get back. Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center, the place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, here we go. Good afternoon. We are back. Rich Orris here again, filling in for Scott Mosby, who is out on assignment today. And we got a lot going on. Um, I love doing this for Scott. I love helping out. A lot of great information. Gloria just went through a lot on uh, a very important uh, topic of radon and testing for radon. And yes, when you buy a home, you should always, I'd recommend testing for radon without a doubt. Jack had a very interesting, you know, question about trying to rebuild, lift, reinstall an existing shed about four feet higher. So, you know, talked a little bit about the complications of some of that and, you know, a lot going on. So if you have anything like that, if you have anything going on or anything you're thinking about, again, feel free to give me a call. We got another straight hour left here for you, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. And Sam has been on hold for eons here. I want to thank Sam and get, let's get Sam on the line. Sam, are you with us? Can you hear me? Absolutely. How am I coming in? Hey, you're coming in loud and clear. I really appreciate you holding on for so long. What do you have going on for us today? I've just moved into a brand new house, St. Paul, Missouri. Can I say the builder? Um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I guess it's fine. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say T.R. Hughes. Oh, okay. And when I walk through the house, before I bought it, the final walkthrough, it was explained to me that there'll be a little bit of condensation on the basement walls. Okay, I moved in right at the New Year's. The weather drastically changed from one way to the, the wind from one from the north, from the west. I've got condensation more than halfway dripping down the walls on my west side. The north side, not so much because there's a garage in front of it. Okay. But I'm getting, is that something that's normal? He said, that is normal on a brand new house. You'll see a little condensation, but don't get worried about it. And when I seen it, I thought, oh, my God, what is the matter? Have you ever heard of this before? Um, yes, absolutely. And, and just to kind of clarify, are you talking about a concrete foundation wall? Concrete basement, yes, yes sir. Okay, okay, yes, perfect. Um, yes, so, you know, when we think about what creates condensation, um, you know, you basically got humidity level, versus temperature difference when when big temperature differences collide. So the more humidity you have in the home, in the basement, 
the the greater the chance of condensation happening when temperature differences hit. So you're trying to to heat this home to you know 72 degrees or so, and it's very very cold outside. So the things I would I would look at is um, you know around the bandboard above the basement. Um, I would maybe consider trying to use like some spray foam or some cans of spray foam and try and stop any air from infiltrating. If there's spots where cold air can blow in, if they put fiberglass, you know, bat insulation around the top of the foundation, cold air can blow right through that. So that can create some of that temperature difference, you know, with it infiltrating in. But your, your concrete can literally take up to a year, you know, to, to completely cure out. Um, they, they, like when they pour driveways and stuff, they say don't put any chemicals, um, any ice melt, salt, anything like that on it for at least 12 months to let it completely set and, and kind of be done and seasoned and all of that. So your foundation could actually be the same way where you're getting moisture out of that foundation and out of that concrete floor so your humidity level can get very high in that basement because of that. So the things I would recommend to you is, you know, check for that air infiltration around basement windows, the glass windows, around the band board. See if you can seal any of that up. I would say get a a um, a, a dehumidifier and, and check the actual humidity level in that basement, you know, get a digital hygrometer that reads the humidity level and see if you can lower that humidity level if it's high because of that. So basically, you know, suck some of that moisture out of the air and it'll help control that. So it is normal for that to happen under those conditions and the conditions can be greater because of the newer concrete. Cool. They already sprayed foam above the band board. Okay. Uh, that's what that's what they used. That's I, good. Um so you put me at rest. Thank you for the good job you've done. And sure. Thanks so much. Absolutely, absolutely. I appreciate the call. Um and, and a very good question and something we talk about all the time. Um, and, you know, looking at houses scientifically and thinking about, you know, how this stuff works and functions and everything else, you know, when, when people put a dehumidifier on their furnace and they say, well, it's, 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 you know, summer and humidity levels are high. Well, really the recommendation would be to put a actual hygrometer on each level of the home and, and kind of check them and see, and you can buy these digital ones that will, you know, lock in the highest number or the lowest number that it's seen in the past. And you can just walk by and check that level because you can have way more in the basement, you know, like Sam has here because the newer concrete than you really have on the first floor or the second floor. So you don't want to necessarily like, dehumidify that whole house right now because if the furnace running and it's low already you might need a humidifier running for the main floor and a dehumidifier running for the basement floor to kind of battle stuff like that but it is good to 
you know, maintain battle and try and keep these things from happening. The moisture in the home and stuff like that isn't, you know, isn't a great thing to have year after year on, on the walls, the floors, you know, anything around it can just start to grow mold over years. So if it continues to happen, I would definitely advise continue to battle that without a doubt. And so we're going to take our first break here of the second hour for everybody else out there. Feel free to give us a call. We got Joan. If you can hold the line through the break, we will get to you right after this. Live and local. This is St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. All right, here we go. We are back running through this like wildfire, just going so fast, having a great time. Love the calls, the questions all the interesting things going on out there for everyone that can hear me around St. Louis and further out. I know we go way out and that's why we got the 800 number and everything. So if you have anything, if you're thinking of anything, if you've got anything going on, you can hear my voice again. Feel free to call in 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120 from far away. And Speaking of the phones, I want to get straight to Joan here and see what's uh, going on. Joan, are you with us? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. What uh, What's your question today? I, I left the hose on the outside faucet, and I thought about it a couple nights ago, tried to get the hose off, and I accidentally turned on the faucet for a couple of seconds, turned it off really quickly. I can't get the hose off, and I do have antifreeze pipes. Uh huh. And there's a little cap at the top that screws off, and I can see there is a little ice in the faucet. Uh huh. So I wonder what my options are. Should I cut off the hose if I can't get the hose off? Um, yes, I would definitely recommend in some sort, way, or fashion, you know, of getting that hose off for sure. Because um, even though that frost-free, you know, hose bib faucet that you're talking about, what happens is when the hose is left on, the water will stay inside that pipe even beyond the shutoff because the hose, it's not, you know, letting it pour out. So it's definitely, you know, water in that pipe and it's definitely freezing with these temperatures. So, you know, a couple ways to go about it would be one, like you said, cut that hose um, and just get that opened up so that, you know, it can, when it melts, come out and everything, or, you know, use, like plumbing tools, uh, you know, plumbers, wrenches or whatever, and put one on the faucet so that you're not bending or twisting or turning that faucet and put the other one on the, on the hose and, and, you know, try and get that to twist off maybe some, some heat, uh, you know, a a heat gun or a blow dryer, and then maybe some WD-40 and, you know, get that to, to screw off of there. But you definitely have a very good chance that, you know, there's already frozen, you know, ice water inside of that pipe in the Mm. copper portion inside the house, and it's already split, Mm. you know, and it could have already expanded and split and broke that pipe. And you won't really know that in a major way until the first time 
it's not frozen and you turn that faucet on to use it because mm-hmm. it's shut off further back into the house and it usually splits, you know, past that shutoff where, where mm-hmm. it expands the pipe. So a lot of people, they just don't know. And then as they go out to use that hose, water the garden, wash the car, it's literally dumping half the water into your house, mm-hmm. you know, in the basement. So okay. I would definitely recommend looking at that to make sure it's not split from the inside. Can you get access? Is the basement unfinished where that hose is? Yeah. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Yeah. So yep. look at the copper pipe inside the house. Yes. Yeah. Where it comes in, you know, where it uh, is still the actual, the first about foot of that pipe or so, you know, to where that shutoff is, is, is really where you want to look. And you want to kind of feel it too, because it could be like on the top of the pipe split open. And if you just look at it from looking upward, you might not see that split. So try and look at it from all sides, top down, mm-hmm. you know, maybe take a, even if you take a, a camera on your phone and get some pictures of the top of the pipe, just reaching up or something mm-hmm. just to try there, and make sure. There, There's a turnoff for the faucet inside the house. Uh-huh. Would it be past that into the house? It really shouldn't be. Um, it, it's generally in front of and before, you know, where, where the shutoff is from the actual hose bib is where that splits, you know, all the time. But it can get, you know, the cold beyond there and start freezing that pipe inside the house. So I would definitely recommend, you know, even for now, if you're not sure if it's split or not, or how, just go ahead and shut that off just to keep the water, any more water supply from getting to that area until it's warmer, you've checked it, you know there's no leaks, and you know it's going to work, and you've got the hose off there. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I I did shut it off inside the house to the faucet. Uh-huh. So you're saying it could have split from, away from that shutoff valve? Yes. Yeah, oh. I would basically check that pipe from that shutoff valve in the right. basement all the way to where it exits the house. Oh, Okay. Would be the best spot to look, yeah, All for right. sure. Yep. All right. Thank All righty. You. Hey, you're very welcome. Um, very common thing here in St. Louis. Very good question. Um, something we deal with all the time when, you know, we're looking at even inside of houses for, you know, air infiltration and, you know, pipes freezing inside of walls and, you know, a lot of these older brick homes full masonry homes. They're kind of like, you know, they're kind of like Sam's foundation as far as if the concrete's on the outside and it gets that cold, your concrete is very, very cold. It it transmits that cold through the concrete. So concrete, mortar, brick, you know, stone, all that stuff is really, it's the second best, you know, energy just letting temperature through it and and letting conduct energy through it, whether it's hot or cold, it's really, really good. Aluminum is the only material, you know, like a metal is the only one that will do it more so than concrete or mortar or stone. So if you have, you know, this all brick house that's plaster on the inside, full masonry home, that, that cold comes through that wall very, very strong. And you're trying to keep that house warm. Well, when you have pipes anywhere around there, 
we're dealing with that all the time, you know, with spray foam insulation. And then I also see it all the time where that spray foam in- insulation can actually be performed incorrectly when trying to keep pipes from freezing. And if you think about it, you know, how does a refrigerator work? How does a refrigerator stay cold? Well, it's got the best insulation possible and it air seals the door. So the cold that gets in it doesn't escape unless you open that door. Well, spray foam insulation can do the exact same thing. If you surround all sides of a pipe and that pipe gets cold from another area, it will keep that cold in there. It will actually hold that cold. And I've, I've, I've had, I've seen it in the past where, you know, somebody had a cantilever sticking out of the back of their house and they had a bathtub on that cantilever in their bathroom and the floors kind of floating out without a foundation or a basement or anything underneath it. And there's plumbing pipes out there for the drain and for the shutoff and everything. And and it was always cold in that area. So they had a company come out and they spray foam that whole area. And basically the first winter after they spray foamed it was the first time they had a pipe freeze. And they they actually had ice coming up through their drain, growing into the bathtub. And he was like, what in the world? Well, the P-trap full of water, and it was still getting cold, and it's 100% encapsulated in that foam. It got colder than it would have, and it held the cold easier and for longer. So if you think about that, you know, you really want to, when you do that, you want to keep that pipe open on one side to the warm side of the room, to the floor, to the wall, to the whatever. If you can get that spray foam on the left, on the right, and on the back or the bottom, and then leave it open to the wall side or to the inside of the house, whether it's the floor or the wall, you will have a much greater chance of you've now created an area that would stay warmer rather than colder. And if you've separated that pipe, then you won't have that problem and it won't last and, and stick like that. I've, I've literally seen it happen. I've corrected those type of issues by redoing that foam, pulling all that stuff out and getting it installed a different and better way so that that doesn't happen. You know, so there's, there's a lot of different things that can be done out there to, to help these issues. And I'm glad today, you know, we got a half hour left here. I'm glad I could be here. I'm glad I could fill in for Scott and I'm, and I'm glad for the calls and that I can help everybody out. And um, Joe, if you can hold the line through our break here, we will get to you first thing when we return. Bob Costas on the legendary Sports on a Sunday Morning. It's so comforting to know that Sports on a Sunday Morning not only exists, but it's still called what it was called all the way back to when I first set foot at KMOX. Hear it on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Sports on a Sunday Morning, a St. Louis tradition. All right, we are back. We got a half hour left and uh, just... Helping out, feeling good. Rich Orr is here again, filling in for Scott Mosby today. And, you know, I, I love doing this. I love helping out. It's what I do for Scott at, at Mosby Building Arts pretty much every day is visiting people, going out, 
seeing what they've got going on, talking about their issues, their remodeling projects, what their hopes and dreams are, and really, you know, just trying to advise the best the best thing possible for their wants, hopes, desires, and or issues or anything going on. So speaking of getting to that, for everybody out there, we've got plenty of time. We've got time for, you know, a whole nother segment after this one. So feel free to give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. For now, let's get uh, Jan on the line and see, oh, Joe on the line. Sorry, see what uh, Joe's got going on. Joe, you there? Yeah, Rich, can you hear me? I can hear you, Joe. How you doing today? Well, not too bad, not too bad. I've got an issue. Um, I live in a uh, 24-year-old ranch-style home, and uh, I've got a couple of bedroom doors that insist on not staying fully open. They're kind of creeping halfway to the closed position on their own. Okay. Uh, How do I resolve that? Well, so so there's... um... There's there's something easy you can try to do to help resolve that, or there could be a um, a, a bigger issue down the road there that you know could come about um, if if possible that you might want to look into because um, of course you know when things are are moving and coming out of level, if the door didn't used to do that and it's doing it now. Um, it could be actually, you know, settling foundation things, movement of the house, you know, actual bigger issues going on that mm-hmm. may need to be resolved at some point. If you start to see cracking on the drywall and, and different things like that happen, that may be kind of step two. But there's there's a real quick, easy thing to do Um with that door, and, and is this door? He says twenty-four years old, so I'm guessing it's uh, like a hollow core, real light interior door. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, um, <clears throat> just take one of the hinge pins out from from the door, um, like the middle one's probably usually about the easiest one to reach. Um, okay. Just take a nail and a hammer or a small screwdriver and tap that thing up. Pull that pin out. And what I do is bend that pin. You put just a little bit of a bend. So go out to like some concrete or if you've got like a, you know, something really hard workbench or something you can get on. And and just when you lay that pin on the concrete, it'll sit at an angle because it's got the cap at the top and it'll kind of be, you know, down to at an angle. Take a hammer and just tap the middle of that pin one time. Um, and, and you want to hit it a little bit, you know, you don't want to lightly tap it. You want to give it a, a fairly decent hit. And the good thing is you don't want to, you could try this. It may, it, you may do it two or three different times before you really get it Okay. without bending it too far where you can't get it back in, but tap it, put a little bend in that hinge pin and drive that hinge pin back in and it'll just give enough friction. Yeah. I've got about a three pound, uh, small, uh, miniature sledgehammer. Yeah. That might work better than a hammer. Yep. Yeah. Light tap with that, with that weight might just give you the perfect bend there. Um, and then you just drive it back in. And from there on out, I would just watch for, you know, foundation cracks in the concrete opening up and, and things like that. Watch for cracks in the drywall, just all the signs of a house settling. Yeah. It seemed you know. to be more predominant with, uh, 
course, with the heating system running now, and I've got a uh, humidifier that's uh, adding some moisture to the air. I was wondering if that had any bearing on it. Uh, it absolutely could, because as that that wood moves, expands, contracts. Uh, sure. Another thing I've seen is just if your walls, it's sometimes it's that way from day one because your walls just a little out of level, so then mm-hmm. your your doors a little out of level, so it just doesn't want to stay open. Um, so sometimes it's even just the original install of that door or the wall of the house, you know, in, in order to to keep that thing working and everything. But yeah, yeah. that'll. That'll be a quick, easy fix for you for now, and hopefully we'll knock on some wood over here that you don't have anything bigger going on. Yeah, really, really. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Richard. I appreciate your show. Thank you no for the problem. service. No problem. You're welcome. Great question. And let's uh, go straight to Jan here and see, uh, Jan, what do you got going on for us? Hi, Rich. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for calling. Absolutely. I have a home that's about 58 years old, and um, I bought it about five years ago. When they inspected it, they told me that there was very little insulation in my attic. And so I'm finally getting around to um, getting that taken care of. And I guess I've had um, a company come out and they recommended doing blown-in fiberglass. Um, because of the fact that I have an attic fan that I, now that I'm retired, I plan on hoping to use that and, and use my air conditioner less. Okay. Um, instead, it would stir up less. Now, I talked to somebody else and they said, oh, no, no, you want to you want to have the blown in cellulose. So I'm not quite sure what to do. So I would kind of like your opinion on both of those products and what are some of the things that I need to kind of, um, I guess, key points that I need to listen to these folks that are coming out to give me bids? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, wonderful, wonderful question. Something we talk about all the time. Um, so when you look at these ins- insulation types, um, the fiberglass insulation um, is very light. It's very fluffy. Um, mm-hmm. And air can infiltrate around and through that insulation very easily. So it can hold a temperature difference well when you make it tall enough, thick enough, you know, added to there. But if you have a lot of air movement, it can actually blow right through it. If you took a handful of it and you blew into it, it would the air would blow out the other side. Okay. So... The, the, the cellulose is a lot denser. It's, Mm -hmm. it's still a loose blown in it. I, I kind of, I get where they're coming from probably saying it's the cellulose is kind of dustier. And if you got a lot of air movement, maybe it it puts like more of the dust and stuff kind of out. But I mean, when they blow that in your attic, that's going to be everywhere anyways, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but so that that doesn't need to be as thick and it settles. So they blow it in, you know, at like 10 or 12 inches thick. It, it settles down over the years about an inch or two. Um, and it just, it blocks more air infiltration than um, the, the fiberglass would. So if the air is moving around, your fan's running and all this is happening, it's going to block more air infiltration during that and during the winter 
and losing heat, you know, through into your attic space. Now, if you want to know the absolute best way to insulate that attic, because one of the things you want to think about is the air sealing between the the main floor of the home, whatever's mm-hmm. below that attic, and, and the attic itself, because the attic is considered outdoors. So when you turn that fan on and you blow that air up there, it's pretty much blowing that to what they would want to call the outdoors. So if right. you have can lights and light fixtures and other things in the ceiling, like a bath fan or a skylight or you know anything like that coming through, any penetration through the drywall of the ceiling can lead to warm conditioned air rising up into that attic during the winter. Right. So really the the absolute best way to insulate that attic would be to remove the insulation that you have. They they take their blower and they reverse it and they suck all the insulation out. And you put one quick layer of uh, foam, like a cellulose foam insulation across that entire attic the whole floor. It's not very thick. You're not using it to insulate the whole attic. You're just putting about a one or two inch, you know, spray. And what that does is it completely air seals and separates the the living space of the home from the attic. Then you can do that fiberglass on top of that spray foam because it'll hold your temperature difference and the spray foam will keep the air infiltration from leaving the house into the attic or vice versa coming okay. down and, and then to really get in there your fan that you're talking about you know they make new attic fans that actually have doors that close and and all of that I don't know what type of attic fan you have in your house but old attic fans are the biggest energy suckers during the the hot part of the summer and the coldest part of the winter because they're just like a metal grate you know that just kind of shuts and you've got a little bit of metal like separating louvers. like those like louvers, louvers shut. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's what I have. I'm sure it's original to the house. Yep. So a, and, and that's okay, but it, you'll just lose a lot of heat in the winter and, and in the summer, you'll have a lot of heat coming down into the house, you know, forced from that attic gotcha. and, and making your hallway or area, you know, really warm. I've even seen a lot of condensation forming, you know, in people's hallways when they have that in the summer because all that heat and then you're running air conditioning and they're like, mm-hmm. my, they think they have a roof leak. They're like, my walls are wet. Oh, and it's God. really just yeah, converse, yeah. you know, condensation occurring. So they do make newer fans that can be installed that the doors actually close behind the fan and it creates an R value of your, like your attic similar. So it will keep that separation when you're not running that fan. So you may want to also during this entire attic, you know, I would look at this attic holistically with the fan and everything and consider what's the best thing to do. And then what's, you know, the middle there would be like that blown in loose cellulose and kind of, you know, get a path and understand the value of that. See if any of these people offer that fan or anything and consider that too, because that could really help you down the road with energy okay. and everything else. Okay. I know they're the one company that I've had come out already recommended a, a it was a solar fan 
that okay. they would put into the roof just to kind of, I, I think it's just to move the air up oh. in, the, in the attic. But I've, when I had my roof replaced, I guess a couple of years ago, they put some extra uh, vents up there. So would that solar fan really be necessary? Yeah, you know what? That so now we're we're even more holistically looking at the entire attic ventilation system with it. Mm-hmm. Um and and I wouldn't ignore that either. Um for sure, and that solar fan may not be the we- the best way to do that. Um for sure to to take care of that. So I I got to get into a break here. Um yeah. But would you mind holding the line while I while we take a break and I can come back and, and touch a little bit more on this ventil- the attic ventilation with you? Oh, sure. Absolutely. I appreciate that. We'll take a we'll take a quick break and then we'll be right back. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, we are back. Rich Orris here, filling in for Scott Mosby today. And we've got Jan on the line talking about attic insulation and the best thing to do with running a whole house attic fan. So, Jan, are you still with us? I am. Okay, so so that solar fan that they're talking about putting on top of the roof is, is basically a mechanical fan meant to work as exhaust to pull air out of that attic and to keep that attic ventilating, you know, properly. Yeah. And and so the issue with those fans can be, and it's not always, but if you don't have proper intake, you, you have to, when you're ventilating an attic, you have to match the intake and the output. So if you make a fan and it's pulling so much air, you have to make sure that you can get enough air in to replace it. And that doesn't always work with every home in in our area of how they're built and especially like 58-year-old home. If you don't have great intake and everything, you could be creating a situation where um, basically what you have to imagine is where is it going to get the air if it's not getting it mm-hmm. from where it should. So right. it's going to get it from that whole house fan. And it's going to get it from every light fixture, can light, any penetration through the drywall or the plaster of that ceiling and pull it through. So what I was kind of talking about, you know, doing the foam, air seal everything, get a fan that blocks and air seals and insulates. So now you have complete separation between the main floor and, you know, the attic space. So if you do a solar fan like that, you could literally be pulling out conditioned air from the home, making it cost more to heat and cool the home and making your units work harder to heat and cool the home and all of that. So you, you are on the right path. You are asking great questions and you obviously want to know, you know, the best thing possible um, so I would definitely highly recommend for you to um, have have Mosby come out and just take a look at this attic. Did that. Yeah. We, well, we we do um, we we do the the 
Attic Insulation would be a trade partner that we would bring in with us. Right. But the whole house fan, the the roofing ventilation, all this stuff is a Mosby thing. And, and we have a lot of people besides myself even that have a lot of education in this area. And definitely it would take looking at your house in your attic and doing an inspection. And then we yeah. can sit down and really say, Here's where you you get or don't get the intake. Here's where your exhaust is. Here's, you know, and make a really mm-hmm. great recommendation. And then you can kind of go, okay, I couple that against other stuff. You know, what do I really understand and see the value in and, and how worried about this am I? Because sometimes it's just about knowing too. It's like, well, you know what? I'm just going to ignore all that and understand that maybe if I need a roof sooner than I thought, but I've got a newer roof now, you know, it's it's what you're used for the home. It's determining all of that along with that plan. But it's just good right. to know everything. Yeah, definitely. You know? well, I even talked to a guy yesterday that gave me a bid over the phone. Oh, and I'm like, yeah. What? You, no, I'm like, yeah, we're marking him off. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So my name for that is an order taker. You yeah. know, it's kind of like you're at a restaurant and you look at the menu and you say, I would like the fish. And they go, okay, I can bring yeah. that to you. What would you like to drink with that? You know, you know what you're going to like to eat. Yeah. But you don't always know. It's like me going to the doctor. You know, think about that. I don't I don't know nothing about the doctor, right? I don't know nothing about health. Uh, I, I know very little. So I got to go get advice right. you know, about that, the things would- that I'm concerned on. I used that exact analogy this morning when I was talking to my brother. I said, you know, I, I just, you just try and read as much as you can and try to educate yourself. And then you're just kind of at the mercy of people that they're telling you the right thing, you know, because yep. it's just like, like you said, going to a doctor. I, I don't know, you know. Yep. Yeah. So sometimes, yeah, you get a couple opinions, you gather all the information you can and right. and you make the best sense out of it that you can and, and you do the best thing possible. So that's, you know, yeah. that's really what this whole thing's about. So, so yeah, for you, Jan, for everybody out there, I mean, this is what I do on a daily basis. We have plenty of other exteriors consultants and stuff that do the same thing that have been educated on looking at stuff like this. And of course we do everything remodeling all the way through Mm -hmm. design build, but you can give us a call at uh, 314-909-1800. And and Jan, I would say, tell them you spoke to me on the show and that we, we spoke about your attic and stuff and, and, you know, what you're looking to do and they'll get somebody set out to do that. Um, And then, you know, you can also look uh, and go to uh, callmosby.com, C-A-L-L-M-O-S-B-Y.com. You can actually communicate and and it's almost like emailing in. You can send messages and just create that appointment right over the Internet, too, if, if you're, you know, too busy to call or whatever. And okay. no charge, anything. We'll come out and we'll educate you and see if we can help you out. Oh, that would be perfect. Thank you so much. Oh, no, you are very welcome. And and like I said, you're definitely asking great questions and, and heading in the right direction. So I appreciate the call today. And for everybody else out there, I love doing this. Um, I love coming in and filling in for Scott and helping out. And, you know, like I said, it's kind of what I do on a daily basis with them. And 
you know, been doing it for, for 20 years, started out as a project manager, running jobs and, and checking jobs out and everything and, and getting them produced for them and just kind of naturally got educated and moved into, you know, the role of coming out up front and really trying to predict and, and help people develop the right solutions and projects and, you know, everything for their homes. And we've been doing it for a really long time. And, you know, with Scott and his father, I mean, the company's been around for over like 74, 75 years now. And it's just a great thing. And and I love what I do to help everybody out and what I do for Scott and the whole company and, and everybody in it. And a lot of these workers we're talking about are our workers that will come out and get this work accomplished for you. So I had a great time today. I appreciate all the calls. I wish I could have got to every single one of them. And uh, just everybody out there, you know, be good and uh, stay tuned. And I'll talk to you again probably in a few weeks.